You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Toys Draft Season Podcast, part of the Back Net Podcast Network. Jake Spink here with you guys on this Monday. So obviously, draft season has pretty much concluded for the 2023 cycle, and I think, you know, as we get further into the summer, I think you'll see a little bit more from Mason and myself in terms of scouting some of those guys and, and really starting that prep. I don't want to get too in-depth and, and lose the attention of everybody. I think it's you know, I think it's been pointed out a little bit is like summer scouting is something maybe for the side a little bit more that you can kind of build up and then get to a point in August, September, where I think there's maybe a, a little bit more interest. Maybe it still might be minimal, but a little bit more interest in the draft for the next cycle. So we'll kind of keep that in the back pocket. If people reach out either on Twitter or on the Facebook page or in the Patreon that's totally cool then we'll, we'll get rolling on that there are some things we're going to kind of think cover just in terms of maybe a couple previous drafts just just how things are going a little bit more of a deep dive into the teams and and that's probably what the plan is for the summer at this point so today though uh we wanted to get to this because we did not talk about this yet really at all and obviously still a little bit from this 2020 NFL draft. I want to get to the offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year stuff, and we'll kind of cover maybe a couple under the radar performers that you might not say, oh, they're not going to win the award, but they might uh, they might just make some noise in terms of like, oh, wow, we're talking about this guy in November, December that might get some votes for the award rather than just, you know, oh, this, you know, they're going to win, right? That's not necessarily going to be the case. I think you're going to see most likely when you look at this and you look at the history, probably going to be first round pick or at the very least top 50 pick that's going to win the award. I know Tariq Woolen was really, really close last year, but ultimately when Sauce Gardner, a top five pick has a really, really good season, they leaned his way and you know he wins the award. Quarterbacks, obviously last year, you know there was talk about Brock Purdy potentially winning it. That got a little crazy, but obviously the Jets obviously got the clean sweep there. So could a team get a clean sweep? I think there's a chance. And we're going to dive into offensive first. When you look at what the odds shake out as right now, the the favorite, and, and really he should be the favorite, is B. John Robinson uh, for Atlanta. I mean, you're spending a top 10 pick on a running back. We, we know how that goes. The usage is going to be heavy. And, and yeah, I know Tyler Algier, 1,000-yard season last year. Is Robinson going to get enough carries? Yeah, you're not drafting a eighth overall to give him 12 touches a game. It's just that's not how it rolls. And even if they ease him in, you know, week one, week two, week three, like he's going to get a still get touches in the passing game. Like we're, we're not going to forget that this guy probably could play in the slot for them. Like genuinely could play in the slot for this team with with Pitts in London. So you combine that with the, you know, just just how much of a wizard he is, right? We talked about him so much leading up to the draft, how, how good he was, how ridiculous he is in terms of missed, force missed tackle rate and just f- 
finding creative ways to win and making guys miss in tight spaces by by a pretty wide margin relative to how how it often goes in tight spaces in the phone booth between the tackles first and second level between those front seven guys like it just it doesn't happen like that so when you look at him i mean projecting you know a 12 1300 yard season should be pretty much consensus to this point touchdowns you know i think double digit touchdowns very much on the board are we going to see the jonathan taylor season we might like it's very possible that robinson just reaches reaches a height that even if the rookie quarterbacks start and we 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 as a society love to give the quarterbacks all the attention i think herbert obviously edged out jefferson and werfs in 2020 should he have won probably not because of where Worf's finished in terms of like all pro voting and like stuff like that like he was genuinely dominant so there's a reason offensive line is nowhere near this even though there were you know four guys taken in the top you could say 14 you could say tackles if you want to include Skaronsky or not nobody's on nobody's in the top leaderboard nobody's in the leaderboard here nobody's in the top whatever this is on this leaderboard it's it's 13 guys and they're nowhere to be found because it's just it's very difficult to make it happen creed humphrey had a legitimate chance until jamar chase went off for 11 266 and they see that flashy performance it's over so i still think robinson's obviously the leader in the clubhouse when you look at the quarterbacks everybody's wondering i think anthony richardson plus 900 it's more of is he going to start right away i think he should i think that shane steichen's going to have plenty of ideas in terms of Especially because I think it was a really good kept secret that the Colts wanted wanted Richardson the most, and and Levis was kind of the pawn for them. Steichen has been working on this. He's like, all right, well, what can we do to give him some easy reads? We can go into empty. We can give him, you know, these empty formations are going to give the light boxes to the Colts and, and really, really strengthen, you know, what they have in terms of numbers there. So QB run game is going to be very evident. They're going to take shots on the field. They're going to work the screen game. That's going to be a lot of the offense, and Richardson can take advantage. And if he starts the full season, I think there's a good chance that he's right now the best value because we know Young and Stroud are going to start, right? That's that, that's assumed. I know there's a lot of, you know, there's people still throwing that mackerel chatter around in Carolina. Stop. Full stop. Bryce Young is going to play, and... The supporting cast isn't great, but he's kind of been an elevator, and he was a little bit of an elevator last season. So, you know, we look at Terrence Marshall and DJ Chark and Adam Thielen. Like, Thielen's probably still getting in the rotation. Mingo's probably going to get a roll early just because, like, his size and his speed matter out there. And whether it be in the slot or not, like, he is going to get some looks. So... They've got some guys there. They've got Miles Sanders. The offensive line's good. They're going to give him time. There's a reason he's the favorite in the quarterback um, side of things and and why he's the second guy in the list uh, right behind Robinson at plus 400. So Stroud is dealing with the same thing, though, where the numbers might not look super good because the, the supporting cast isn't great. Stroud's offensive line isn't as good as Young's, well, in terms of, you know, a complete unit so there's that but obviously still has tonsil Stroud, it's going to come down to pressure reading i just think the value is better if you, you want to go robinson and i think richardson as well uh 
Fourth on the list ahead of Richardson is Jameer Gibbs. I think this is probably fool's gold, if we're being honest, just because the Lions are going to have the definitive plan of like, all right, space player, you know, a lot of receptions, get him targets in the passing game. Don't wear him out between the tackles. Like, I don't think you're going to see this like super timeshare where Gibbs is getting 60% of the looks over Montgomery. Just, just doesn't feel like how they're going to handle things now, you know, they're losing the running back coach. Maybe they're going to change things. I don't think so. I still think Ben Johnson running the show. I just can't imagine they're going to be like, yes, we got to give Gibbs 25 touches a game. And we took him in the top 12. Should they? Maybe. But like, you know, 199 pound back, like, are they really going to thrust him into a, like a B. John Robinson workload or a Taylor workload? No, I just can't imagine that. But it gets really interesting with, with Jackson Smith and Jigba and why, why that's the case is because this is I think we kind of talked about it like this is exactly what Seattle needs. They need a chain mover. They need a guy that Geno Smith can trust, second and medium, third and medium, win over the middle of the field. You know, zone coverage beater, press coverage beater, man coverage beater, elite quicks, great hands, good good RAC. Like the run after the catch is great. He has it all. Could he maybe? You know, Tyler Lockett's getting up there. Injuries could pile up. Metcalf isn't a good middle of the field guy. Like, can, can he pile up Amron numbers in year one? Sure, he can. And that's where kind of it leads to like the Seattle being the team that could go offense defense. Addison's going to get a ton of looks because now he is exactly what the Vikings needed in terms of, okay, you know, we're, we're cone coverage, cloud coverage. We're going to put everything into doubling or, or kind of double shading, you know, Justin Jefferson as much as possible. Okay. That's gonna and, and and that worked because there just wasn't another guy that you looked at and went, all right, isolation. Can he win? And when you look at Hawkinson, he was just low a dot, middle of the field, you know, not picking up a whole lot after the catch. They were just using him as kind of you know get to the spot and zone for like minimal gain. They didn't use him, and he he caught a lot of passes, but he was just never that the this not really a field. He's not a field stretcher. He just wasn't you know. Another explosive threat, not saying that, you know, Jordan Addison's a crazy explosive threat, but Addison gets open, and that's exactly what they needed. Will he, you know, see the amount of targets that Jackson Smith and Jigba receives? Potentially not. We'll see. The Vikings could be a team that's going to have to just outscore. I don't know. Defensive turnover-wise, are they going to have enough, right? They got rid of Zedaria Smith. Didn't really add any edge rushers, so... It's a very interesting plan going on in Minnesota. But again, Addison's going to get a lot of looks. Zay Flowers, I just feel like, is not going to get as many as the other two, and that's why he's lower. Quinton Johnson, with all the injuries, if, if he can figure out it and get the consistency on the right level, it's possible. I just don't know if you want to bet on a tight end, though, with Dalton Kincaid as well, just, just going down the, the list a little bit more. I just don't know. Like, tight end in year one, he could do a Kyle Pitts thing. But even then... If the quarterbacks play enough, is he going to get the same looks as the quarterbacks? Is he going to get the same looks as Robinson? Probably not. Will Levis at sneaky at 3,000 plus 3,000 with Zach Charbonnet to kind of round out the list. Wouldn't put stock in either of those. Levis feels like somebody who's either going to not play all year or he's taking over late. And if he's taking over late, I still think it's it's not worth it. So I think when you look at that overall, where I would go – I you got to go summon Robinson just because, again, he's that dude. The quarterback value is Richardson. Jackson Smith and Jigba is interesting at t- plus 1,200. And I think Quentin Johnson's your flyer. 
it's going to be a first-round player. I know Rasheed Rice is in the mix as well. If you look at the odds list, plus 2,200, same as Zay Flowers. The Chiefs just don't they, – they spread it around. This isn't like bona fide wide receiver one. Nobody is. That's Kelsey. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, the, the Falcons rushed 559 times. If that's not an indicator of like, yeah, we're, we're adding bodies to this room and we added an elite talent in this room. That's just that's the way it is. So, all right, let's move to uh, defensive rookie of the year, and then we're going to get into something a little bit different in the second half of this. Uh, maybe a little bit shorter pod, but the the two favorites at plus five hundred are Jalen Carter and Will Anderson Jr. Is do you favor one over the other? I I would favor Anderson. Again, edge, more value position. Defensive tackles normally take some time to adjust. Right behind him is Tyree Wilson for the Raiders, which is interesting because he's going to have to unseat Chandler Jones. Now it might not be difficult if Chandler Jones is, you know, battling some injuries. Maybe he gets on the field early and and you know he can be a disruptor and, and pile up some sacks, pile up some pressures. Maybe he'll do that. Lucas Van Ness at plus one thousand with the Gary injury is very interesting. If they can get him right, the 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 explosiveness, the power, just devastating. They could kick him inside. Like this is a potential, you know, eight nine sack season where it might be worth it to throw a little bit down on him because he, again, it's a first-round pick at the position. It's tougher for any other position than edge to get a lot of run. Like Parsons basically won it because he got sacks and he was pressuring guys on the edge. He didn't win it because he was doing really well at linebacker. It's very difficult. I know now Shaquille Leonard, Darius Leonard, did that. It's just it's it's very very rare to see that type of thing. And Jack Campbell obviously getting picked in the first, you know, might fire up the imagination a little bit. I, I just wouldn't bite on that. I would not bite on that at all. The corners are going to be a different story, right? You have Forbes, who is a ball hawk. If if he can create the interception total, right, you look at another kind of Trayvon Diggs, perhaps, at the position where he's just in the right place at the right time and he's making plays. It's possible. And it's possible that those interceptions aren't indicative of like his his body of work as a rookie like there's a chance you know further down the list than Forbes who's a plus 1500 at plus 2200 are Porter and Banks those guys are probably going to have better seasons like Banks is is ready made and and is in an in a defense that's going to let him do what he can do on an island and disrupt that's going to be his game and and they might not throw at him they really might not Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon both plus 1000 with Lucas Van Ness if, if we were going to do this again, same team winning. Witherspoon and JSN is a possibility. Witherspoon might get a ton of looks because teams might just be more afraid now to throw at Tariq Woolen. As crazy as it sounds, fifth-round pick arrived. So Witherspoon might get a ton of looks his way. Gonzalez, man, in a Bill Belichick defense, that's, that's just, it's a scary thought. It is a scary thought. So Forbes at plus 1,500. Nolan Smith, I just don't feel like he's going to get enough in the rotation right away, plus 2,000 to, to garner this award. Kind of surprised Miles Murphy's not thrown on here even, you know, especially because when you look at it, like Van Ness is in the – and Wilson and all these guys are kind of in the same boat. They're almost entering as the third edge, which is very interesting to me because, you know, you look at you – know, Smith is behind, you know, Reddick and – you know, a lot of meh elsewhere, but again, he is in the Reddick role, so he's kind of sitting behind their main dude, and that's what makes it maybe a little bit more difficult. Murphy's sitting behind two guys as well, 
who have proven themselves time and time again in Hubbard and Hendrickson. Van Ness is coming into a better situation. Wilson might be slightly. He's still edge three, though. So it's interesting. I, I still would put put money on Anderson because it's just edge rushers can pile up the sacks. It's harder for, for corners to get noticed a ton in terms of like interceptions. It's just rarer. Like Sauce Gardner just dominated, and, and so he got the award just because there was just not enough edge production. Hutchinson, Thibodeau, they slow starts a little bit. Hutchinson had to change positions to get him in a better, better looks as a rush end. That was just more natural for him. Thibodeau got on the field a little bit later. Trayvon Walker is is still figuring things out a little bit as he's moving around. It was kind of a perfect storm for a corner to get it done, right? Even even if it was Stingley too, like it was it was there for for the taking a little bit. There's uh, Kalaja Kansi at plus twenty five hundred. If he gets b- better looks with Vita Vea, who can kind of hide him a little bit. You know, you're throwing him at five tech, you're throwing him at three tech, you're letting him tee off. Like, there's a chance. That's probably the long shot I'd throw down. But again, it's also a defensive tackle with not great arm length. So, a little dicey, a little dicey there. So, that's that's where we're at. You know, just a little look down the down the odds list for for rookies of the year. You know, if you're you're into that sort of thing. But when you talk about guys that are you know maybe a little bit further off the radar, then it gets very fun because you look at. The, the obvious one like that that jumps out on offense is the fact that, okay, I know there's no offensive lineman on the board. I'm going to go here first because he wasn't on the on the odds sheet. But, like, if Peter Skaronsky just dominates at guard, they throw him in there, he makes the all-pro team, I just I continue to make it, find it hard to believe that we can't give these guys the awards. So... When you look at it, like Paris Johnson's playing immediately. Darnell Wright is playing immediately. Skaronsky's playing immediately. Broderick Jones might not play immediately. He still might. We'll see if Tomlin has the patience with, with an offensive tackle when they have Dan Moore and Chusha Corfor. Not saying those two are better than Broderick Jones necessarily, but the Steelers might have that kind of Packers level of patience to where like, all right, if, if Skaronsky's just that good, what are we doing here? Like unless if if Robinson doesn't live up to it, like why why rookies have gotten all pro votes and have gotten on all pro teams, whether it be second or first. If it's an offensive lineman, we we gotta consider consider them a little bit. Like there's just no way like Mozzie Smith might have like a bigger impact in year one than Jalen Carter. Never gonna get the recognition because he's a nose tackle. It's just it's that, that's what it is. So. You know, Jack Campbell could rack up the stats, right? That's in the first round, though. But again, if, if Skaronsky does really well, how are you? How we not want to do this? I don't know why we don't want to do this. Like, Steve Avila for the Rams is a great example of a guy who could come in immediately, play center or guard, dominate for the Rams, immediately upgrade, and, and kind of anchor an offensive line that needs anything, but yet may not get enough recognition what if joe Tipman comes in and helps the jets immediately at center are we not going to help like john michael smith center giants either one of those big new york market those have to be like guys to consider consider offensive linemen please the last guy in offense obviously is is josh downs if he gets enough looks if if he is you know the guy they're trying to iso in the slot a ton is a number two is a number three right and empty they're giving him quick looks they're letting him you know separate immediately they're letting him win down the field like i gotta feel like steichen was was maybe in ballard's ear a little bit and was like yeah like absolutely take this guy 
Don't care about the size. Like, And Ballard went outside the threshold so that you know what that means. I know it's a third-round pick, but you know what that means. If, if you've been listening to any podcast talking about the Packers and them leaning outside their thresholds for Jaden Reed, they really like Jaden Reed. That means the Colts really like Josh Downs. I know it's around later, but still. And the other one may be Devin A. Chain. A lot of big plays in, a, in a, an offense that's really built upon that. You, you can't not get excited about that, that possibility. If we were to stay in the top 50 realm of things defensively, yeah, I mean, there's a chance that Branch isn't starting unless they're, like, throwing Cam Sutton outside. Then he's maybe your starting nickel. I just can't imagine a starting nickel is getting that type of look. Derek Hall, if, he, if he's a pressure generator, BGO Jalari, same thing. Like, those are possibilities. Those are later dart throws that, that could happen. Marvin Mims as well for the Broncos, end of second round. Yeah, it's possible. All right, so let's take a break here, and then we will come back with uh, a part two that I haven't mentioned yet, but we'll, we'll get to it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, back here, guys. So I wanted to do this because I think it, I thought it would be you know a, a fun way to kind of Look at this from a Packers perspective. We don't often do it on here because we kind of are draft focused and we want to let, you know, the big dogs on the podcast talk about the Packers as, as it has been and, and they do a great job and that's why we don't always venture into that territory. But I do think that this is like a great spot to talk about how, you know, these teams in the NFC North drafted how scheme-wise and, and maybe a little bit how it affects the Packers, what we could see, right? So there's there's a lot to this. Obviously, we're not like going super in-depth necessarily. But when you look at like what every team did, it, it's I think it's good to just kind of maybe take a look at like, sorry, maybe take a look at like what, what, the, what we could see from the Bears because they have these rookies, what we could see from the Lions when they have these guys like, What's what's gonna have to change? What needs to adjust? Who needs to make like leaps? And, and just in terms of players, not even just rookies. That okay, like they added this. Like how do we respond to it? And, and I think that's a fun way to kind of look at things. 
when you look at the Bears initially, because, right, I mean, playing week one, why would you not start here? Obviously, Darnell Wright, as a rookie starting, it would have been really nice to have Rashawn Gary be able to tee off on a rookie. And Braxton Jones probably sticking on the other side. So, like, it's it's a second-year guy as a day-three pick and a rookie at the tackle positions. And it would have been nice to have Rashawn Gary to be able to tee off. Now, there's a little bit more pressure on Preston Smith. Not as much maybe him as it is for Enigbare and a rookie for Lucas Van Ness to potentially, in week one, try to make an impact. Again, same type of deal, right, when you look at it. Enigbare, day-three pick. Braxton Jones, day three pick. Darnell Wright, top 15 pick. Lucas Van Ness, top 15 pick. Both rookies, both second-year players. That could be a lot of what we see in that opening game. And and obviously, Preston Smith is going to be a major part of that as well, you know, barring injuries, whatnot. So that's going to be interesting to see how the Packers will attack a rookie tackle. They They should be throwing their best at him. They should be, you know... Maybe they're gaming it up and trying to confuse him. I know the Packers haven't succeeded a lot on early downs in terms of their defense, so that's that's obviously a question mark. But when they're able to get behind the sticks, you might want to see what the rookie has in terms of picking stuff up. Like, he's a little bit of a waistbender, right? But also, Preston Smith more in the run game than anything, I think is going to be a test for Darnell Wright because he looked like just a collision generator in the run game very much. And just he wasn't like the sustaining guy. He wasn't necessarily this zone blocking extraordinaire. Now, Darnell Wright could be in the same mold of like Cross and Abe Lucas. We we touched on this, right? That, oh, well, maybe he just, you know, the, the ask, the, the assignment wasn't there. They didn't ask him to do it a lot. So he didn't get to do it a lot. But like the run reps were pretty rough. And yeah, I, I'm excited to see how this changes a little bit in terms of like how Wright's going to be able to handle maybe front side zone and like, you know, can whoever Preston Smith or otherwise, you know, make create some struggles for him in terms of running this zone offense, running this zone run game, right. Kind of picking him off a little bit, maybe on, even on the backside when there's, when there's boot, like, can you knock him? Can you knock that him off the, off his spot? Can you create some disruption on the backside? Even when it's like a naked boot for fields, like, is that, how much is that going to go into it? I think it's going to be very exciting just to see that. Obviously, the Bears went and got two defensive tackles, former high recruits, who maybe just need some refinement. They obviously like the three-tech a lot. This is going to be an interesting kind of matchup as well if both of these guys get reps and play because it's going to be interesting to see how you know Runyon and Jenkins respond a little bit and Myers, more so Myers and Runyon. Runyon extension coming up. Myers just hasn't have a lot of people sold and it's understandable why like he's really been good in one phase and that phase has been crucial because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers right how much better can he get in the run game for a team that might be more run heavy right that's going to be the question and that and, and that kind of got away from the rookie talk a little bit but like that's kind of where we're at so that's going to be a test on uh, and on some early downs, it's going to be a test, maybe a little bit more for 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 Myers and Runyon, presumably on the interior for guys who are powerful, explosive, pass rushing types of defensive tackle. Tyreek Stevenson, 
yeah, can Watson handle that? Like, I don't think he's going to start necessarily right Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, unless Stevenson blows him away. And obviously Jalen Johnson wasn't this regime's selection. And I think that was kind of clear in this pick. It was like around to pick a corner. Jalen Johnson, you were kind of our selection. So maybe Jalen Johnson does get phased out. I don't think it'll happen immediately. So Tyreek Stevenson, not necessarily on the radar. More guys on the radar, Roshan Johnson, Tyler Scott. I think those are two guys that, again, Tyler Scott's got speed. Right, can this quarter's defense handle that? Can can the quarter's defense handle communication in terms of where their zone where they need to be, right? Who's needs who's picking up what in this defensive um backfield? Like he could be if Mooney isn't healthy, you know, there's talk about that, like like he wasn't healthy last year. Can he get back to that spot? Or is Tyler Scott that replacement? If Tyler Scott is that replacement, like how do they handle, you know, drive and dagger and a lot of these like passing game formations and 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 passing game concepts where scott is kind of creating space underneath can there be enough communication there is is scott going to be that guy roshan johnson is more of the blitz pickup powerful running back can generate a little speed he's got good pass catching ability like probably not going to be a feature guy necessarily right the bears probably going to rotate as much as they can deonta foreman is there so will he make a ton of impact Maybe not in the opener, but like he might be the second most talented back they have. I know people like Deonta Foreman. I'm not really that sold necessarily. I know he did well in Carolina. I, I, it doesn't matter. Like Khalil Herbert's better than him, but we'll see. There, there's rookies in Chicago that I think are going to be maybe putting some stress on or the Packers need to put stress on immediately. Right? That's it's it's put Darno right in the pressure cooker a little bit. See how he responds. Right, run at these defensive tackles if they're going to get a lot of play time. Like, run at them. See how they handle that. They're they're three techniques. Can they handle it? Can they handle the combo blocks? Right? Are they going to be able to to work read steps and understand playing a gap and a half against zone? Will Will that be the case? I don't know. But it's going to be fun to to kind of watch that even in the opener. That that'll be very exciting. And again, obviously, end of season. Could Tyree Stevenson be starting? Yeah. So how is how is Christian Watson? You know, Dobbs, maybe even Reed on the outside. Like, how do they handle a player who is, you know, extremely physically gifted? A lot of people called him a steal. It's going to be fun. And, and if, if Tyreek Stevenson can command that room by end of season, he's going to be the guy that, you know, okay, go beat him. Like, go beat him in front of you. Like, you know, if we need a win, we need a win. Sometimes it's that simple on offense and defense. You know, Green Bay might not keep it that simple. At some point, though, there's probably going to be a situation or two if Tyree Stevens is the starter where, you know, Watson, we trust you, you need to go win. Dobbs, we trust you, we need to go win. Reed, we trust you, you need to go win. So that would be very fun. Uh, Detroit, the one thing I think that, that concerns me the most, I don't think Jack Campbell is that concerning. He operates well in tight spaces. Coverage is a little bit different story. I don't think you see the athlete that he is in coverage. I think he's really good at, at being a Mike and kind of operating within a little bubble that you can draw on, on, a, on a diagram where you're like, ah, okay, he's confined to this. Mm, that's that's good for this role, but not necessarily for this where, okay, you know, suck him in a little bit of play action, you know, work behind him a little bit, you know, but he's good at reading the quarterback's eyes. And that's the one part of Campbell's game that is good. It's just can, can love maybe manipulate him a little bit, keep the eyes on him, 
and let let the offensive playmakers do what they need to do, you know, cross the face or cross in behind him, you know, and find that opening. Because, again, winning against zone is as important, especially in this league that we're in. You need to be able to understand route depth in terms of what coverage is being played. If somebody is playing the hook zone, you have to either figure out, okay, do I need to set up more inside? Do I need to work more outside? Where is the space that I need to operate? That's going to be important, especially playing a player like Campbell, who, like I said, is going to be good in the hook zones because he reads the quarterback's eyes. Not because he's a great athlete as a coverage player, but because the instincts are there. But like I said, that's not really the main thing for me is handling an explosive player like Jameer Gibbs because he is, again, Fields trying to handle him on the ground is a difficult task. And when it comes to those types of players, the Packers have struggled a little bit. You look at the Miami game. They played a lot of off coverage. When when Miami hit stuff to Waddle, he made some house calls. I'm not saying Gibbs is going to be in that same role where you're running deep crossers with him, but a little Texas route here and there. You know, something, you know, a swing route, a wheel route. Like if they're going to give him opportunities to catch the football, make plays in space, can Green Bay tackle well enough to handle a player like Gibbs who Again, great quicks, space player. He is tough to handle, and it's it might only take one person to miss, and we are in trouble. That's the difference with a player like Gibbs. And I know the clowning the pick is fun. Clowning the pick is fun until you're on defense and you realize that that's a home run hitter across from you that you have to play disciplined against. It's gonna scare it a little bit. I, I that it just is how it. That's how it is. So you, you remember the Mostert thing. You remember the Mostert game. I know Packers fans remember that. That could be the type of thing we see. Because Gibbs will get looks between the tackles. Not a lot, but they might give him a few. And if he hits one of the few, there you go. Like, that's why Gibbs scares me a little bit. Laporta, not so much. I mean, again, rookie tight end impact is usually pretty minimal. Uh, Laporta's a good receiving tight end though so having someone strong in the slot you know good coverage guys in the middle of the field that's going to be important Laporta's tough after the catch you know can you bring him down in space that's going to be difficult as well Reed versus Branch in the slot would be something really fun that I want to see I want to see that I think Branch is going to play nickel you know Garner Johnson's probably taking the other safety spot we'll see maybe Garner Johnson in the slot I, I'm not sure how the Lions secondary is going to shake out but really, it's those four players. There's not really anyone else where you're looking at. You're like, ah, going to make an instant impact unless Broderick Martin gets snaps. But it's interesting that, that him and Alan McNeil kind of do the same type of things. If they're doing a Cincinnati thing, cool. That gets interesting running the football against that in the, in the middle of the defense, especially, again, with a guy like Campbell who, when freed up, is doing good things between the tackles. So maybe later in the season when Martin and McNeil and, and Campbell are kind of running the show in the front seven – could get dicey running the football. So that's just, again, thoughts there on the Detroit Lions. We'll finish it up here with Minnesota. Kind of talked about Addison already. Like, this is a, a weird. Minnesota's weird. Um, in my opinion, they got two slot defenders here. Jay Ward was better at, at slot corner, I think, than he was at safety. It's because he's twitched up. He's a little bit smaller player. But he's, he's, he's a, he understands the role better I think in the slot can blitz 
Kai Blackman, same thing. Probably a better slot. I know he played perimeter. I know he played on the boundary at, at USC. He's small. Probably confined to the slot. So slot blitzers will be interesting. That's going to probably be how Flores operates. So throwing guys like that at Jordan Love is something to watch for sure. But also, can Jaden Reed handle somebody like Jaden Jay Ward or Makai Blackman in the slot? That'll be very interesting. I think he can. I think it shouldn't be a problem. I think both of those guys might see Addison a little bit in camp and be like, ah, shoot, this is difficult for us, and they're going to run into Reed as well, who's maybe not quite the player Addison is, but he can get open. And that's going to be, I think, the biggest thing. Those two on defense, Addison obviously is somebody now that when the Packers, you know, trying to take away Jefferson, it's going to be on the other half of the field or communication when they're on the same side of the field to kind of handle two guys who understand top of route manipulation, understand top of route efficiency, understand, you know, are spatially aware of working back to the ball relative to coverage or working into space relative to coverage. That's going to be a struggle for sure to handle now two guys who can separate at a high level Addison uses pretty good speed control. I know he only ran 4.49, but he has good speed control for that type of player. Yeah, there, there's going to be some stress there, I think, on defense to kind of handle that. It would be it would be much better if Barry got in the face of these guys a little bit more, especially Addison, who, no, I think he has a little bit of a mixed bag against press. I think there are times where his quicks, you know, and his urgency to get into the stem give him a little bit more advantage where he can be slippery. But there are other times where he just doesn't, he, he kind of lacks the plan. And, and lacking that plan is where you can really pounce in terms of press in your zone coverage. I don't know. I don't think Barry's going to do it, unfortunately. But it would be a good way to combat a player like Addison. To throw him off a little bit, disruption early. And then you can handle things kind of however you want to handle things with Justin Jefferson. But I do think that's just kind of an overview and kind of look at like, okay, what rookies can make the impact? Who scares you the most? Like, just something maybe a little different. I know it wasn't a super long podcast today, uh, but hopefully Mason and I will get back to rolling with things over the summer. We're going to kind of talk, like I said, 2022 and 2021 drafts, probably from every team, and just take a look at like what's been good, what hasn't, You know, what who needs to click in year three, what needs to click for a guy going into year two, You know that, that stuff. We're going to get into some deep dives, so I hope you guys are excited for that. And then, again... Maybe we'll get to 2024 stuff a little bit earlier if you guys are chomping at the bit. So uh, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy your Monday. I will talk to you guys on Friday.